the Convention Collective Sandbox. So my name is Leonard Sultana from the Convention Collective, and I'm talking today to comic book legend Jim Stalin. Uh, it's a it's a pleasure to talk to you, Jim. A pleasure to be here. Always uh, good to chat about uh, Thanos and other things. <laughs> well, I mean, first up, it's an honor to get the chance to talk to you, although I can imagine there hasn't been a day for the last few years that you haven't been asked to talk about or think about or reflect on Thanos and the Infinity Saga. Oh, I've had a little downtime here and there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, with that in mind, I mean, what's your honest knee-jerk reaction when you hear the words Thanos or Infinity Stones today? I mean, is it one of pride? Is it one of relief? Is it one of, like, sheer frustration? You know, I, I did other things, you know? <laughs> uh, no, it's a mix of the more positive stuff, to tell you the truth. Uh, you know, Thanos and Dreadstar are my two favorite children, and... Uh, you know, Thanos, uh, being the firstborn, uh, he's really outshining all the rest of them at this time, uh, making it hard for the latter ones like uh, Gamora and Pip and uh, Drax to get in the spotlight. But, you know, they're all uh, sort of uh, coming together here. It looks like just about anything I uh, did is uh, eventually coming to the screen here, it seems. I just heard the other day that Shang-Chi is uh, on his way to become a Marvel character in the movies. Indeed. Well, I mean, you've spoken uh, about how good your relationship with Marvel Studios and Disney has been and the way that they've really embraced your characters. Yeah, and they've treated me very well. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's something that's been most gratifying for us fans who may have felt that comic book source material and the creators uh, have been shortchanged by the Hollywood machine over the years. I mean, was this relationship with Marvel Studios always this way, or was that respect kind of born over time? And who made the first move? Um, it was born over time. When the Thanos first appeared at the end of the Avengers movie, I only heard about it two days before uh, online, and so I did a midnight showing to go see it and uh, was pleasantly surprised what I saw. I said, oh, God, he looks good. Uh, he didn't have a lot to do at that point, but, uh, <laughs> and, you know, basically along the way, uh, the studios have reached out to me and uh, our relationship has gotten better as my relationship with editorial at Marvel has disintegrated. So uh, it's been a mixed bag, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good about it. You know, um, I'm not quite sure how fans would feel like they had been shortchanged by this. You mentioned that earlier. Well, I think with the way that the creative talent have been almost sidelined in the, the glare of the big Hollywood um, machine and all of the, the, the superstars and all the, the attention going to the movies where the comic book um, sales and indeed comic book creators have felt a, a little bit marginalized in the glare of all the attention uh, from the films. Uh, I think that's pretty much where I feel that fans have felt that maybe there should be some kind of residual attention going back to the comic books, perhaps? Um, I don't know about anybody else, but I personally feel that I've gotten more attention that maybe I even wanted on this <laughs> point. Uh, you know, basically, uh, I, I can understand uh, the outlook as I think about it, because this is a money-making uh, world we're uh, operating in and the the movies generate a lot more income from the parent company than the comics do and uh, 
you know, much many more people are exposed to uh, what's up on the silver screen than they are in the books because, well, people don't read as much as they used to. So uh, I can understand it. Uh, it probably is unfair, but, uh, you know, it's the way life is, and, uh, you know, I've come to accept it. Uh, well, let's um, talk about that interest in your characters, especially with uh, uh, all the things that are happening with Marvel Studios, and indeed with um, the Infinity Saga being the backbone of the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. I mean, when was the first time you knew that was happening, and what was your reaction? Uh, I think uh, Josh Whedon did some interviews shortly after... Uh after uh, the first Avengers movie, while he was still sort of like the creative uh, force up there, uh, from what I understood. And, uh, you know, it uh, became real apparent that Thanos was not going to just pop up in the next Avengers, seeing that they'd already announced that it was going to be Ultron. <laughs> uh, and I thought, okay, well, you know, I might have a ride here for a while on this one. And, uh, you know, my 15 minutes of... Uh, Andy Warhol fame may extend out to a good 16 or 17 minutes instead. <laughs> well, I mean, I think the uh, the next reaction you would have had was when you heard that Marvel was a planning to adapt the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, to films, but uh, because I can imagine your reaction, if it was anything like us, who was in Hall H in San Diego that year, when Kevin Feige presented the concept title card, I can imagine it was one of pure shock. Yeah, and that's more of uh, a time frame than uh, when... Uh, Marvel Studios and I started actually, uh, you know, uh, engaging. Uh, we up until that point, uh, it had been sort of uh, through Marvel editorial. Uh, like I said, that wasn't working too well there. So, uh, you know, the studios uh, actually uh, started uh, communicating with me directly, and that uh, sort of changed everything. We started getting invited to premieres, and uh, you know, it was, uh, turned into a fun game. <laughs> well, now at the time of this recording, I haven't seen Endgame, and I do want to go in as fresh as I possibly can, but I, uh, here I am talking to you, and you have seen it, you saw it at the premiere in LA, so I don't want to shortchange anyone that's listening to this, uh, we're posting after the film's release. So. Well, I've gotten real good about avoiding spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get into one or two mild ones, because uh, I'm a big advocate for the phrase, uh, the books are the books, they're on the shelves for eternity, nothing can ever touch those, so the films work independently as adaptations. So what has been the biggest surprise about what Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely have done to the story, away from your original creation? Any characters or scenarios that you didn't see coming? Actually, what surprised me is how close they have stayed to the, the books. Um, only an idiot would uh, figure that uh, something that they've written or drawn would be adapted exactly the way it was, uh, was on the page. So I came in here having some experience with movies uh, uh, in other directions and realizing that, you know, there's going to be changes and uh, you learn to live with them. And uh, basically, uh, I was very surprised on how much of the spirit and a lot of the actual content of what they did came from uh, the books. You know, I have been nothing but pleased with what I've seen. Uh, I understand why late Mistress Death was not included because... Marvel Cinema at this point is a little leery about starting to 
show off the abstract entities from the Marvel Universe, which I think will change with a couple more Doctor Strange movies out of the way. Uh, but no, I've been quite pleased with what I've seen up on the screen. Uh, Marcus and Nefili, uh did their research, uh, even the points where they changed things like Thanos' motivation for the snap. Um, is actually out of Silver Surfer 34, from what I remember. Uh, it's a uh, sort of a con job that Thanos was doing on uh, uh, the Surfer uh, before he went off and revealed his real uh, plans. So, uh, you know, these guys did a really nice job on adapting what they had and working around and uh, forcing it into the different universe that the Marvel uh, cinema is. Yeah. I mean, you can really tell that Marcus and McFeely are real fans of the original source content, and that's it's very um, gratifying for us as audience members, and especially as comic book fans, to see that love and all the, the kind of callbacks uh, appearing up on screen. And I do find Thanos especially fascinating in the scope of the MCU, because where you stand on his justifications for what he's doing in these films, it kind of feeds into your own politics and your own worldview. And I find it's interesting that some have sympathized with his motiv motiv motivations, if not his metho mythology. I mean, what's your thoughts on that? Well, you know, they are creating their own mythology uh, in the uh, Marvel Universe. Uh, they're basing it off. Uh, there are some changes, uh, you know, the finances of movies uh, dictated a lot of things, like half the characters from the Infinity Gauntlet belonged over at Fox or Universal, so they had to do some changing around that way. Uh, a lot of those characters were uh, indispensable to the ending inside the comic books, but they didn't exist here in the movies, and so adjustments had to be made. And Plus, they were, uh, in, a, in effect, with this last movie, they were concluding uh, 20 some odd films that came out of 10 odd years and uh, you know uh, they it's a juggling act that I think they did really well because the final movie is spectacular and, a, and an emotional roller coaster that surprised even me and I was given <laughs> a lot of the uh, story before it ever appeared on screen you know uh, we went down to Atlanta last October and uh, Everyone was surprisingly open with me about what they were up to, and, you know, I've been having to keep my mouth shut for the last year or so, and uh, I'm <laughs> glad now to be able to chat a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine there was that moment when you had told the storyline, and you thought, okay, I really want to see that on screen. I, I cannot wait to see how you're going to pull this off. Yeah, I mean, that was right from the beginning, because when they ran us through it, uh, McFeely uh, took us down this hallway up at Marvel and had all the concept paintings up on it and he just sort of ran through things on me and I was just blown away by where they were going and the final product is so much more spectacular than the paintings uh, that, uh, you know, even though I knew a lot about it, there was still a lot I didn't know and I just had a fun ride on this whole thing last night, the other night. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Um, I do have a couple of questions um, from one or two of our readers, so we'll uh, touch on a couple of those. Because Thanos is one of the most compelling characters in all of fiction. And I've been asked by uh, Lewis Head, one of our readers, to ask, who or what were your inspirations for Thanos when creating? What were the touchstones that you referred to? Uh, okay, um two different fronts his 
his actual conception came out of a uh, psych class that I was taking in junior college after I got out of service. We had a guest lecturer to come in to uh, talk about the Freudian concepts of Eros and Thanos, the you know lighter and darker side of human nature. Uh, I gravitated toward the darker side, of course, because uh, that's the way I am. <laughs> and uh, basically, uh, by uh, a week or so later, I started doing uh, some concept drawings. And uh, as you mentioned earlier, they they bore a striking resemblance to uh, Metron to begin with, <laughs> uh, basically because I thought he was a much more fascinating character in the New Gods than uh, Darkseid was. Uh, you know, patterning uh, Thanos after Darkseid <laughs> was <laughs> never on the agenda. Somebody joked about it, and I think it actually may have been me down the line somewhere, and it sort of became this uh, canon that, you know, it was based on it. But if I was ripping off any of the characters, it was uh, Metron. And even then, you know, looking at where he was and what I, you know, what my drawing skills were compared to the great Jack Kirby's, uh, you know, it was a. Uh, the comparison is, has to be pointed out, I think, rather than anything that would actually stand out there. So uh, basically, he was, you know, put together, and uh, Roy Thomas needed a quick uh, fill-in issue or two of Iron Man because George Tuska, the regular artist, had to go in for some elective surgery, and so Thanos got uh, uh, sort of squeezed into the schedule, uh, and uh, no one had any idea that this little one issue uh, was actually going to uh, amount to a whole cinematic universe. In fact, after the next issue I did with Steve Gerber on Iron Man, uh, Stan Lee hated it so much he fired me and Steve. <laughs> <laughs> but fortunately, there was other work to be had. <laughs> well, another question from a reader kind of um, uh, tails into what you've just said there from uh, Andy1973. Uh, how inspired was Infinity Gauntlet uh, by the likes of Secret Wars in terms of that being that huge spectacle event series? You know, um, we were never meant to be a miniseries. Uh, I was doing the Silver Surfer and I came onto the book when it's very low sales. And at that time, this group, uh, led by a guy named Ronald Perlman, had bought Marvel. And they were trying to squeeze every cent they could out of the readership to, um, you know, keep the, the, make it work for them. Uh, you know, this was a time when every X-Men had his own book, or at least a miniseries for a while. And so the surface sold well, and they said, well, we want to do something special. Um, give us some kind of miniseries kind of thing that we can do in a better format. And so we did the Thanos quest, and uh, we were supposed to go back into the Silver Surfer, but the Thanos quest, the bad sales were so good, they said, we want something really spectacular. And I said, okay, well, how about you let me use these other characters in your universe, and we'll have Thanos take them on. And uh, the powers that be up, way up at top said, oh, yes, yes, that should sell a lot. Uh, then we got into the actual mechanics of getting it to work, and not many of the editors up at Marvel wanted their characters brought in on the Silver Surfer uh, project. Uh, the X-Men editor in particular said, no, no X-Men, and the editor-in-chief, uh, Tom DeFalco, eventually had to say, you got to let them use at least two of them. And so that's how we got Wolverine, and I think it was Cyclops, into the series. So it was a, it was kind of a mixed bag. Uh, Secret Wars was there, I think, beforehand now, now to think about it, but uh, we came at it 
from such an odd direction that I wouldn't say that it actually had much connection. In fact, most of the books didn't want to connect up to it uh, like they did with Secret Wars because the writer of that one was Jim Shooter, <laughs> who was the editor-in-chief, so everybody had to do it, uh, which was kind of funny, <laughs> which was kind of funny because when uh, Infinity War, which was the series, miniseries that came afterwards, everything changed. Uh, every editor who uh, had a character, they wanted them in that book because those books that had tied up markedly. And so on the second miniseries, I was working with characters that I had no idea who they were. There was one called Sleepwalker uh, that hadn't even come out yet, and they wanted it in the book. And so we had him walking by in the background in one panel. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Okay, um, I, I do know that I, my time's running out, so I'll be as quick as I can with the next couple of questions. Um, a year ago, there was that very public breakdown in the relationship between yourself and Marvel Editorial. Um, and a year has gone. It's a fair chunk of time. Uh, tempers may have cooled. Has there been any further resolution in that arena? No, I'm working with one editor up at Marvel to uh, proofread the, the description that for the final uh, Thanos book, which will be coming out later on in the summer. Um, but no, I, I'm done with Marvel uh, editorial. They, um, they're, they're in my rearview mirror. Fair enough, that's fine. Uh, admittedly, the conflict uh, did come about with that uh, storyline, which was going to be following the eerily similar storyline that was planned by Donny Case. Did you actually have the opportunity to read what Donny came up, eventually came up with? And what did you think of his approach to the character? I have held off on doing that until I finish my final edit on uh, the Infinity ending. Uh, I plan on reading it. Uh, I... Donnie and I get along quite well. We've met several times since this thing has come up. Uh, he had nothing to do with it. It was synchronicity. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I have nothing uh, against, I have nothing but good things to say about him. I read his book, uh, God's Country, and loved it. And uh, I look forward to reading his fantasies after we get done to the point where there'd be no longer any conflict with me uh, you know, I, I changed a lot of things in the latter part of my story uh, to avoid being too much like uh, his story. But uh, we'll see once uh, I get everything done and I'll sit down and grab one of those collections and look through it. Fair enough. I have nothing uh, bad to say about Donny as well. I'm a big fan and I've spoken to him as well. He's a top look. Um, so now that your relationship with Marvel Comics may have cooled and the, uh, the one with Marvel Studios has grown and grown, could you see possibly yourself contributing directly to the MCU in future installments? Uh, do you have any ideas that perhaps Kevin Feige could run with? Um, I'm going to hold off on answering that question, seeing that most folks haven't seen this movie yet, the new movie yet. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, well, lastly, to wrap things up, um, let's do a quick word association, if that's okay with you. I'll, you can be as spoiler-heavy as you like, okay? If you just want to respond okay. with, with the first word that comes into your head when I say Drax. Brief. Gamora. Complicated. <laughs> Captain. Satisfying. Ah. Warlock. Missing in action. <laughs> Surfer. Uh, the same. <laughs> Shang-Chi. 
Uh, really curious. New Gods. Loved it. Loved Kirby's yeah. New well, Gods. Yeah, Jack. Jack. God. Yeah. Jack. Jack. It's God. <laughs> yeah, there you First go. Yeah. <laughs> Stanley. Family. Uh, dysfunctional. <laughs> Kevin Feige. This weird baseball cap-wearing genius. <laughs> I think we'll go with genius on that one then. In that case, Russo Brothers. It's two of the nicest guys I've met in a long time. Them and the McFeely and Marcus. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, they're not what I would have expected. So we'll go with unexpected. We'll go with that. And last but, and last but not least, the word that uh, first comes into your head when I say endgame. Satisfying. <laughs> Very satisfying. It's very satisfying. I'm looking at six hours, and then I'll be in a cinema myself. I'm looking forward to this film so much, and it's been a pleasure talking to you. Jim Stalin, thank you very much indeed for your time. You have a good one. Take care.